It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So when we were parents of teenagers, we... We've already said we thought it was awesome, although we were scared to death because every parent told us look out for the teen years. And yet, so but here's the thing. When we raised our three boys, there was not a thing called the smartphone. It was just about to come out. Yeah. And I think today it's a whole different conversation. It's a game changer for sure. I mean, you talk about being scared. I mean, again, the smartphone is a gift from God in some ways. It's wonderful. But like anything, there's a curse to it as well. And so we need help helping parents raise kids in a culture that's different than it was in our day. And we've got the man, the legend, <laughs> in the studio. David Eaton is back from uh, Axis, and Axis is all about helping parents and teenagers navigate this world we live in. Welcome back. It's good to be back. His book is amazing. I think every parent should get this, Engaging Your Teen's World understanding what today's youth are thinking, doing, and watching. So as a parent of a teen, this is a book you need to have on your bookshelf. And it's a book that you should skim. You should read some. You should grab a chapter because the first half is all about building the connection, the heart connection with your kid. And the second half, we're talking smartphones and college and social media and Fortnite and Minecraft and LGBTQ and all of these big, gnarly conversations. But what's interesting about all these conversations that come up is that they all revolve around the smartphone. And the smartphone is the greatest leap of human agency that you will have in your lifetime currently. Mm. So when you give your 9-year-old or your 13-year-old or your 12-year-old or your 17-year-old a smartphone for the first time, it's going to be just an entirely different way to be human. Well, I've got a riddle for you. No, it's actually my riddle for you. No, I've got a riddle for you. you. <laughs> like, you know, David, I'm thinking I want to give my kid a smartphone. You know, it's the thing they're supposed to do. How old should my child be before I give it to him? You're right. That was the question I asked you as we <laughs> left the previous And I'm guessing show. you have the right answer. Let's try and answer it. He did ask us that yesterday. I don't even know what Ann would say. Because I'm like say? tenacious on this because I'm going to make you answer anyway. I'm a dog on a bone on this. <laughs> so this is the number one question. What age, and this is a huge trick question, okay? But what age should you get your kid a smartphone? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Well, it is interesting, as you know, the movie The Social Dilemma. Yeah. The founders of Facebook, some of the people that invented some of this stuff are saying, wait. They're saying it should be older. Don't give, I mean, if I remember it right, they don't have a 8-year-old, 10-year-old in their family with a smartphone. They're like, that's too early. I think 10 years ago, I would have said 10 years old, 12 years old. Now I'm like, I know it's probably impossible. Parents are like, there's no way I can keep my 13-year-old daughter from a smartphone. But I would say it needs to be... 13, 14 years old. Oh, I think that's early. And I think it depends. It depends on what? Depends on the child's age, maturity. Maybe we have the kids pay for it. Can they afford it? So there's a lot of questions I would want to know. So I hope you have some answers for us. But, I mean, what if your 9-year-old is at soccer practice and they move the field and they get out early? 
don't you want to know hmm. where she's at? It's your little girl. And she can text you with a dumb phone. She doesn't need to be on the Internet. <laughs> so it's a trick question because the question is, what age should I get my kid a phone? Um, it assumes two things that aren't true. The first thing is it assumes that your kid doesn't already have a phone. Hmm. And so your kid already has a phone. If their friends have a phone, your kid has a phone. Uh, the second thing is that it assumes that when you get your kid a phone, that they're going to have 100% access to it, that they can do whatever they want. It's just like, hey, it's your 12th birthday. Here's a new phone. Or, hey, dad got a new phone, so you can have my old phone. And that's where it gets into this marvelous conversation that we should totally have about the smartphone is that a lot of wisdom is needed in that space of where you say, no, I'm going to allow you to have a little bit of access to this and I'm going to slowly release this to you. And so I think there are four essential smartphone conversations that parents have to have. We talk about this in the book, Engaging Your Teen's World. And so I'd say that the first thing is that it's very tempting to think of technology as neutral mm. and just say, oh, everything is neutral. The smartphone is neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just powerful and complicated, as Sherry Turkle would say from the MIT. And originally, at Access, we agreed with her. And we're like, oh, yeah, the smartphone isn't good or bad. It is neutral. It's just like all technology is neutral. And then we took a step back and we thought for a second, wait, did God make a neutral world? And so neutral would be the vantage point of just saying uh, it's a random world that we just showed up in out of, you know, ex nihilo. So here we are. There's a big bang that happened and there's just random atoms colliding together. And now we have humans and humans make smartphones. So it's just neutral. No, that's not the story that we believe about the world. That's not the history that we believe. We believe that God made the world very good. And then it becomes cursed. And then through Jesus, there's a possibility of redemption and reconciliation. So the first conversation to have with your kid is how is anything very good? How is it messed up? And how can we redeem it as a family? Especially if you're like the parent who has fear often. And it's easy to have fear, right? So there's this mom and she's like, I got my girls. She had twin girls. She's like, I got him a smartphone. Got them both a smartphone. They've been begging me for it. They've been beating me down. Finally got them a smartphone. And she says, my daughters weren't looking for the darkness. But she said the darkness was looking for them. Mm -hmm. And what did she mean by that? Some, I mean, I think her daughters are in junior high. And some junior or senior in high school started texting them immediately and started asking them for nude photos immediately. And so all of a sudden, this mom's like, what have I done? I've gotten them. So she snatches the phone away, which, of course... The girls hated because can you imagine missing out on like half the jokes? Can you imagine just not being able to have that conversation? You're left out of the inside jokes. So like all of a sudden, if you don't get your kid a smartphone, they're missing out on half the conversations. And right. How good does it feel to be left out mm. when you're in junior high or high school? It feels terrible. How old are your grandkids? Seven. This is seven. Okay. Youngest is one. So it'll be something else. Yeah. But yeah. there's going to come a time where they're in that position. Mm. Let me hit the other three really important. So there's four really important conversation. One big action step. I'll say the big action step. I'll just get it out. Is that you have to write down what your family believes about the phone. Mm. Has to be written down. Like, and don't feel shame if you haven't done it yet. And don't feel shame <laughs> if you got your kid a, a, a eons ago. I got him a phone eons ago. 
that's the number one thing to do where you write down a family pledge or a family contract or a family whatever. You can call it whatever you want. What's important is that it is written down and you start having that conversation. You can beat up the document. It's not like in stone. Give us an example. Like what's that conversation start and look like? So there are eight smartphone domains, eight different areas. Four of them are purely philosophical and four of them are technical. So the philosophical ones are, are there non-negotiables? Like, it's really important for you to say to your kid, you're not going to look at porn on your phone. But then you come back and say, like, this is what I want you to do when someone says, look at this. Hmm. And you just have to get ahead of it. And look, we're parents. We can handle the awkwardness. When do you think that conversation starts? Uh, Now. It always happens now. Hmm. And then it keeps happening. So the first four are philosophical. So You have non-negotiables, a very important non-negotiable. You shouldn't send a nude photo. Well, that's just not a conversation that we had to have when we were kids. Yeah. And what a beautiful place to be as a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or as a youth pastor Mm. to say, you are loved, you're important, you're valuable, you're beautiful, you are desirable. This is not the way to express that. That's the non-negotiable. And so there's all kind of non-negotiables. The second thing is money. Who's paying for this? Who's paying for it when it breaks? Who's paying for cases? Who's paying for data plans? That just needs to be out there. Third thing is location. Can you have phone in bed at night? Can you have the phone in the bathroom? Can you have the phone in the shower? Can you have the phone at church? Can you have the phone before your homework's done? Can you have the phone on the weekend? (laughs) So these are family conversations. Yeah. And every family can choose what they want. You say no phone at the dinner table, they might say, okay, mom, fine, no phone at the dinner table for you either, you know? And then the fourth one is time. Just how much time do I get to have on that? All All of these are philosophical. And the four that are technical are app store, social media, internet browser, and texting. And so all four of those have different rules of engagement. And all four of those can take you to the worst places of being a human. And all four of those can malform you as a person. But they're also like great ways to interact. And just like you would never say, oh, it's amazing. It's your 16th birthday. I know we haven't done driver's ed yet. I know we haven't trained at all. But here, here's the keys to my pickup truck. (laughs) You turned 16. You earned it. I mean, guess what? I'll actually tell you, I know exactly where you were the morning of your 16th birthday. (laughs) You were at the DMV waiting in line. (laughs) Because, Anne, what did a car represent for you? Freedom. It was your freedom. The smartphone is the new vehicle. And so that's why you don't see a 16-year-old waiting outside the DMV on their 16th birthday. Because they already got their freedom. For us, our cars were the greatest leap in human agency for our life. Mm. For that 10-year-old, which is the average age of getting a new smartphone, that's the greatest leap of human agency. Conversation number one is very good, cursed, and redeemed. How can we do it as a family? Conversation number two, I'm going to give you these quickly, is what is it for? And we outline this in the book, Engaging Your Teen's World. I'll own it longer in Smartphone Sanity. What is it for is just talking about the purpose behind it. So if you can come to agreement that the phone is supposed to draw us closer together, And yet dad's on email and mom's on Pinterest or Facebook or Instagram and the daughter is doom scrolling on TikTok. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is not what it's for. But also it's pretty cool. I can touch my phone a certain way and a pizza will be delivered to my door. That's pretty (laughs) awesome. Like 
That's amazing. So the first one, very good cursed. How can we redeem it as a family? And invites it into a new narrative and starts with celebration. The second thing is all about what is the purpose of this? What is it for? The third thing is driver's ed. And so it's the idea of wisdom. And so for all of you firstborn moms and dads out here who are listening to this right now and you're like, I'm going to keep my kid's phone locked down forever. The last thing you want to hear them whisper is, I can't wait to leave home. Mm. I can't wait till I'm 18. I'm going to get out of this place. I'm going to do whatever I want. So you need to have a position of like, when you get a phone, whoever pays for it, however they pay for it, all the other things that are figured out, we want you to demonstrate to us that you are responsible and awesome and we want to have no limits that we impose on your phone at some point while you still live in our house. And then you cross your fingers <laughs> and you hope that they will self-regulate. You hope that they'll say, hey, dad, I actually do want to be under accountability. Hmm. And so the fourth conversation is this. You got to tell your kids over and over and over and over and over again. You need to say, you can tell me anything. Mm. And you need to say that to your three-year-olds and your seven-year-olds and your 17-year-old. You can tell me anything. You can tell me anything. And then you just got to hope that it kind of hits them and hits them and hits them and hits them and they absorb it and they absorb it and they absorb it and they start saying, maybe they're actually being honest. I can't tell them anything. And then one day they're going to tell you anything. And you got to practice your I'm not shocked face. <laughs> <laughs> At Axis, we like to say the unexamined faith is not worth believing. Mm. And so you've said there are certain things that are better. Therefore, I'm not going to have, for me, I'm not going to have email on my phone. Not because you can do a whole lot of bad with email, but you can work all day long. And so I don't want to be the dad who's working all day long. So on you don't phone. have email on your no, phone? No, I do not. Way to go. Uh, but that, I, and all you, I'm not trying to virtue signal right. because you just got to figure out what is that app for you. Yeah. So you're modeling that to your kids. And so that's a great way to say, like, look, I am leading by example here. And you say, well, what if your kid doesn't have the Holy Spirit? Or what if the, your kid doesn't have a moral compass? Well, they're actually, and this has been an interesting thing we've been watching in Axis, and we haven't thought it through yet. Multiple stories that I have heard in the past week where a parent says, my oldest kid was off the deep end with social media. Like, just we had a hard conversation, and they're like, and my youngest kid doesn't even want social media. So you have a whole new generation who just says, I don't want to manage that. Mm. Who says, this is not life to me. Says, this is just some game that someone else is profiteering. And so there's a whole sociological, there's a whole psychological case that can be made that just says, this is actually hurting our humanity. Mm. But there's a great balance that can be found in there. And so that's why the fourth conversation, you can tell me anything. You want them to come to you. And if they can't come to you, they're going to go to someone else. We want that conversation to happen. And even when it comes to social media, a great thing that you could choose to do is say, at some point, we're going to let you have one. Why don't you pick one? Okay. Well, once they pick one, you say, well, I don't want you to post anything yet. Mm. I want you to show me what you're posting. Mom, <laughs> well, you just wanted to post a picture of your awesome birthday party, which was great, which shows everyone who came to the party what a great time they're having and everyone who was left out because we can't invite the entire school of what they're missing out on. 
And so I want you to post a different picture because we don't want your other friends who weren't here to feel left out. Well, you'd never get to that point. And one other thing you can know is that there is so much pain in the smartphone space. One, Access is here to help you with that. But two, there are new products being released every single year to try to help remedy this. Mm. So you have the Gab phone, you have the Pinwheel phone, you have the Light phone, you have the Wise phone. Axis's current favorite phone is the Pinwheel phone. Mm. I think that every kid's second phone should be an iPhone because that's what they want. Maybe it's Android that's like 3 or 4 or 5%. But their first phone, you can get them some training wheels. Not going to work if they're 16. Probably not going to work if they're 13. But with that 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old, that dumb phone. Because, by the way, if you go and say, I want to buy a flip phone, they're going to charge you as much for a flip phone as you're going to charge for an iPhone. Mm. You'll be like, what? You're like, yeah, because mm. what? We want you on this different device. But there's other devices that are out there that are that great kind of baby step. And our recommendation right now would be the pinwheel phone. So driver's training. Yeah, driver's yeah. ed. We're teaching them, equipping them to be safe. Yeah, and if there's... One thing I read in your book, and you've said over and over in the last couple of days, is engage. Yeah. Engage. Have conversations. Listen. I mean, seriously, parents at teenagers often are afraid mm-hmm. of that very step. And it's sometimes it's a scary step to walk down the hall at 10 o'clock at night or whatever, open their door and sit on the end of their bed and say, let's talk. But that conversation is going to be a lifetime conversation. Hmm. And I think to ask our kids, how are you doing? I want to know how you're doing. What can I do to help you? Those conversations and especially praying over your kids and for your kids and together as a couple, if you're married, that's life changing, too. And something that's even more exciting is having a teenager in your home is like having tech support that lives inside your house. <laughs> so, true. so just ask them for help. Yeah. At some point, you want to be like, this phone could be the greatest adversary in our relationship. Hmm. But... I need your help. Mm. You're good at this. You understand how it works. Like, help me with this new, What? and there's always going to be something new. Yeah. And they're going to be great if there's that trust there, if there's an understanding around what's going on to work together mm. towards that and actually have the phone draw you closer as a family. So we just spent three days talking to David Eaton about parenting teenagers. Mm, which was super fun to talk to him. That's what I want to know. What do you think? Well, He's so wise. There's so many good things that he said. But I can imagine myself with teenagers furiously writing down notes. Don't forget to do this. and Make sure I know about this. He had a lot of content. It was so good, but it can feel overwhelming. I'm just thinking of parents of teens feeling overwhelmed at times, not knowing where to start or what to do. And one of the things I just put down was, we loved the teen years, loved them. And I think the best thing we did was we walked with Jesus and we sought him for everything, for his wisdom. And I know that David would say he's doing the same things. And the other thing I was thinking, too, when I can get overwhelmed or maybe a parent can get overwhelmed is have fun. Seriously, these years are so much fun and create an atmosphere of joy, laughter, play games, mess around. These teen years go quickly, and so I would say... You were the queen of fun. Well, now you're the queen of fun with the grandkids. Joy is a magnet, yeah. and it draws it our It draws your home. teenagers home. They don't want to be at somebody else's house. They want to be at our house. I think what he reminded me of 
was how much our teenagers want us as parents in their lives. We feel like they're pushing us away. They're thinking we're stupid and out of touch and they don't want to be with us. They just want to be away from us and with their friends. And he reminded me that, no, I mean, we said it in our No Perfect Parents book, the key to parenting teenagers is relationship. They want a relationship. Everything they say and do may look like they don't. They really do. He called it the hunger to be with, Mm. capital W-I-T-H. They want to be with us even though it feels like they don't. And so I think, man, seize the moment to figure out any way you can to hang with your teenagers on a date with your daughters or hanging with your sons. They want our influence. Uh, it's such a good reminder. It reminds me, like my parents were not perfect by any means, but my favorite place to be as a teenager was at our house. I yeah. loved being Everybody at, wanted to be at your house. They did because it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, and your dad treated us as teenagers like adults. Yeah. He really did. Not in a poor way, in a good way. You felt important. You felt seen. You felt heard. You felt like, man, I have ideas that are respected. You felt like an adult. And I think that drew teenagers to your house. And I think you did the same thing with our boys. You did too. And I think David reminded us that's what God wants us as parents to do. It isn't the youth pastor's job to be with our kids, although that's a good thing. It is our job to disciple our kids and he's equipped us to do it and we can do it better than anybody so fall on your knees and connect with jesus and then say jesus overflow what we have you and me to my kids we want to thank dave and ann wilson and their team for another edition of family life today although our programs are produced in america The issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact marriages in your community? Consider hosting a Day Together, a one-day marriage conference that focuses on developing oneness in marriage. We have trained speakers that will come to you to present humorous but biblically sound messages of hope. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website at families.powertochange.org.au under the Conferences tab. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today.